As we approach the new year, there are those of us who quickly go to the New Year's resolutions and start laying out resolves for the new year. As we'll see today here on Graceful Truth, we only need a handful of quick reminders from God's Word as to what we're to be all about in the new year. Here's our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, to begin our time together today here on Graceful Truth. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. That's the purpose of church, to come together, to be edified, to be built up and be encouragement to one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. See, sometimes, you know, I feel like when we see the day approaching, our fellowship and our worship and everything, it kind of drops off. What the Word says is, you know what, it should encourage, especially the days in which we live in. Welcome to Graceful Truth, the weekly radio program originating from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church, located here in Redwood City, revealing God's grace through God's truth. I would imagine many of us are looking forward to the year 2010, earnestly praying that it does not resemble the year 2009. In fact, I would imagine many of us are coming up with New Year's resolutions just to help improve the odds a bit. We would invite you to join us for the next few minutes together as we take a look at Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It's there that we'll find encouragement as it relates to New Year's resolutions. We don't have to come up with a whole list or litany of do's and don'ts for the new year. Rather, four simple commands that we're called to be obedient to. The Apostle Paul lays them out for us here, and our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, explains them to us in simple fashion with real encouragement. Won't you join us? Here now with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Once again, Pastor Steve Converse. I'm going to turn over in your Bibles to uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you... It is safe. Sometimes when we come together as a body, you're thinking, okay, now what new truth am I going to hear today? I want something fresh. I want something new, whatever. Well, Paul here says that, you know what? I'm going to write something to you again. And there's a purpose in him doing that, obviously. It's not tedious for him. In other words, it's not boring for him. It's not something that he's even um, giving second thought to. But he really wants them to understand some things that are, that are very elementary to their faith, but sometimes we forget things. And he goes on there and he explains what he's talking about. But um, this morning I just want to share briefly just four points. You know, this is a brand new year, but I don't know, in a way for me it's just another day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's the same as yesterday. It's just that it's, and yet so many times I think at the end of the year we get, we get kind of so hyped up and we want to, you know, make this new year the, the, the best year that we've ever had. And so in our minds we begin to, which I ended years ago, you know, make up all these things that we want to do. You know, they call them New Year's resolutions. And, you know, by the second or third week in the year you're just trashing everyone and you're going, so why am I even doing this? Why do I torture myself this way? And, you know, the things I want to share with you this morning, just four quick things, are not meant to be New Year's resolution. These are elementary things. These are things that should be in the life of every believer. And if there's not, there's a problem. 
okay? And, and I think that, that we need to, to make sure that some of these things sometimes fall by the wayside. We forget about these things, even though they're very elementary to our faith and to our Christian walk. Um, because we, we kind of grow complacent and, you know, the cares of the world kind of crushing around us and pretty soon we're, we're in this rut and we wake up one day and we go, how do we get here? You know, where'd the freshness of our faith go? Where, where's the, the newness of, of the faith that, you know, when I was saved, once was there? Uh, couldn't wait to pray, couldn't wait to read God's word, couldn't wait to fellowship with God's people. Now it's kind of a, on the list of have to do things. How do we get to that point? Um, and I just want to kind of go over a couple things here uh, that is, is pretty basic. Horace Mann said this, Habit is a cable. We weave a thread of it every day, and at last we cannot break it. See, good habits in our lives are good things. Uh, they bring forth rewards. Bad habits obviously bring forth certain consequences. Even, you know, habits that we can put into our lives every day have a way of changing our lives. Uh, Samuel spoke of some commitment that they made at the beginning of last year or whatever and how that improved relationships. You know, everybody here could make a commitment in a certain direction and say, you know what, I want this to be better this next year. And it probably would be if you stick to your commitment. The first thing that I want to share with you this morning is, you know what, very basic, but spend time with God every day. Spend time with God every day. Uh, there's three elements here of, of a quiet time. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we used to, in our church, we had Word of Life, which was a, it's an organization Jack Wurtzen started back east up at Scroom Lake, New York. And it's a youth ministry. And what they do is they have uh, a youth program set up for churches and you basically kind of buy the program, kind of like an Awana deal, but for teenagers. And uh, one of the things that every student would get, every teenager would get is a quiet time journal, a quiet time diary. And they were expected to use that diary. Well, what, what is a quiet time? Do you have a quiet time? Um, first of all, quiet time consists of three things there. I put them down. They're real basic. Prayer. And not, I'm not talking about praying over the pork chops at dinner. You know, I'm talking about setting aside a time where you can spend a little time in prayer with the Lord. Um, secondly, Bible study. In other words, ask God this new year, say, what, what do I want to learn? What are, what are some areas of theology or what are some areas of your word that I have questions about? You know, I mean, you have the same resources I do. I don't have any more resources than you do now with the internet and all that. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You can go on Google and type up anything and come up with myriads of information. So it just takes a little effort, Bible study. And then also there's the aspect of meditating on God's Word. Not so much, you know, necessarily, you know, hopefully you understand what the text is saying, but then, you know, really kind of ingest it. Take it into your, your soul and really kind of go over it and peruse it and say, well, what does this mean to me? How do I apply this to my own life? Why do you do these things? Why would God encourage us to do these things? Well, there's, there's, there's a couple reasons, but one is to receive guidance. Hopefully, this new year, we want to we be guided and directed by the Lord, not by ourselves. Secondly, we do it for strength. We do it for, to, to receive wisdom from the Lord in, in some way through his word. Um, Psalm 25.4 said, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. See, it shouldn't be about our agenda. It should be about what God wants to do. And you know, I, I don't know, but as someone in, in church leadership, sometimes, you know, we, we want to come together and make this little plan and this agenda for the new year and say, okay, well, you know, here's where the areas we're going to work on and here's what's going to happen in our church this new year. 
And God's probably up there going, you don't have a clue what's going to happen in your church this new year. You know, you just continue to do and be faithful to what God has called you to do. I'll take care of the rest. And that's the way God operates. Not that we shouldn't plan. Not that we shouldn't have a goal and a vision and all that. That's, those are all components that God uses. But when they become the focus and not the Lord, then we're off on the wrong foot. How do you do this? Well, you know what? Just find a time to spend alone with God every day. Just commit yourself to that. Just say, God, you know, it may be on your drive to work. It may be, you know, when you get up shaving in the morning. Whatever it is. You know, sometimes, you know, I like to take baths. I don't know why. I just always have, you know. And I don't have a jacuzzi, so, you know, the bathtub's the next best thing. So, you know, I'll hop in the bathtub, and sometimes I'm just kind of sitting there. But, you know, part of that is just kind of, I'm spending time with the Lord. And it's, it's not a, you know, a big spiritual time necessarily, but it is time away from just everything. Luke 5.16 says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Places that are away from everything. And he prayed. Now, if the Son of God did that, he's our model, we should hopefully do the same. You ask, well, should it be in the morning? Should it be at night? When, you know, what's the, what's the formula, Steve? Well, there is no formula. Do it whenever you want. Do it when it feels comfortable to you. I mean, some people have, you know, are night owls. You know, they're up at, at one in the morning praying and, 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 and studying and all that stuff. Other people are, are morning people. Other people maybe in the middle of the afternoon when the kids are gone or something. I don't know. Um, but you know what? Give God the best part of your day. And he'll reward you for that. What happens when you do this? You know what? There's a change in your life. Somehow, God takes that and he changes you. He, you know, you may not even realize it, but he's doing it. In Acts 4.13, it says, When they saw the, the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were, what, unschooled, the Bible says. In other words, they weren't trained. They had no formal training at all. They were just ordinary men, the Bible says. It says that this group of people were astonished. And they took note that these two men had been where? With who? Jesus. See, they spent time with the Lord. They spent time with the Savior. And as a result of that, they were changed. Something changed about them. When people meet you and greet you, can they tell that you've spent time with Jesus? Do they make, have a, see a notice in your life because of that? Spend time with God every day. Secondly, faithfully give to God's work. Understanding what it means to, to give to, to God's work. Okay, the motivation is, is to make sure that we understand what it means to faithfully give to the work of God. As many of you do, because you, you do give faithfully to the work of God. Why do you do that? Because it indicates where your heart is. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, what? That's where your heart's going to be. There your heart is also. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks, in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. We don't give to the work of the ministry because God needs money or the church needs money. That, that's not a, that should not be a motivating factor at all. If it is, then there's something wrong. The reason we give is because God commands us to give. And the reason, you know, the, the, the why behind all that is, <clears throat> is simply because we can learn how to honor and respect him in different ways. And I think the best way to do that is, is give systematically to the work of the church or to how, whoever you give to. You know, hopefully it's, it's to the work of the church. You should support the local church. But give systematically. You know, put some forethought in it. 
it should be a, bu a budget item in your in your household bu budget. You know, I mean, at least a minimum. Hey, here's what what I'm going to give the Lord. First Corinthians sixteen two says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. That's Paul writing that. So there's there's some there's some preparation that needs to be in giving. You know, we shouldn't kind of march in here Sunday and oh, here comes a plate. I better throw something. What do I got? Uh, you know. <laughs> You know, a dollar, I'll fold it up so if somebody thinks it's a 20 or something. You know, I mean, I remember doing that in the, the Catholic Church. Because we had those uh, baskets, you know, the, the, on the big, long pole kind of a deal. And he'd put it down the thing. You'd have to put your, your offering in there. You know, what happens when we do that? Well, God will bless our lives more than we can ever even imagine. You can never out-give out God. Out God. Uh, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. You know, that's, that's amazing. You want to have a, a wonderful new year. Spend time with God every day. Secondly, faithfully give to God's work. Thirdly, worship regularly. Come together as a body, fellowship within the body of Christ. You know, it's the reason that we encourage fellowship here at, at, at our church is because it's, it's a source of worship. It's a source of instruction. Hopefully, it's a source of encouragement. And you say, well, I've been around some people. They weren't much encouragement to me, you know. Well, then find different people. I don't know what to tell you, but find a source that, you know what, you can really have fellowship with. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together, as some is, are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. That's the purpose of church, to come together, to be edified, to be built up, and be encouragement to one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. See, sometimes, you know, I feel like when we see the day approaching, we, our, our fellowship and our worship and everything, it kind of drops off. And, and what, what, what the Word says is, you know what, it should encourage Especially the days in which we live in. I mean, do you realize that there's going to come a day when we will not be able to meet here? We won't be able to come together as a body. I mean, we'll be somewhere else as a body. But I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I'm thinking, you know, this is kind of unique. I mean, as, you know, sometimes as challenging as it is and, you know, dealing with different people and all sorts of things that come together in a fellowship. But you know what? It's, it's something that God is raising up. I was telling somebody the other day, you know, there's a lot of churches that have a kind of a template. They want their church to look like a certain image. And one of the things that, that they, they have in the template is it must be ethnically diverse. And so they, they, they try to plan all these things that they can have an ethnically, ethnically diverse church. Well, you know what? Look around. I mean, we have an ethnically diverse church. And we haven't, you know, God's just brought us people who are from different backgrounds. I mean, that's the best way to do it. Well, how do you accomplish this worship regularly? Very basic. Go to church. <laughs> you know? I mean, just come to church. It's not, you know, we're, we're good people here. We want to have fun together. We want to have fellowship together. We want to learn the word. We want to grow together. It shouldn't be the kind of thing that, oh, man, I got to go. Because I'll tell you what, you know, if, if that's the attitude, then you, you need to stop and you need to check your own heart. Because whenever you're in the attitude of, you know what, I don't want to go to church, or I don't want to do this, or I don't want to do that, or it's just another thing on your schedule, there's something wrong in your own heart. There really is. I mean, do you know in the New Testament, they met together almost daily? I mean, can you imagine us saying, okay, you know what, I want you all to come over to the house afterwards, 
and we'll just eat and sing and, and have some Bible study or whatever. See, our mentality is, what do you mean? We just went to church. You want me to come over to your house and you're going to have another Bible study? Well, that's too much. You can't handle that. And then maybe we'll do something tonight together. We'll all get together and have a meal together and play a game of Nusha afterwards. And then, you know, my wife has off Monday, so you can come over Monday night too. We'll have a little meal together. And then, you know, Tuesday, she doesn't have Bible study, so you can come on back. And Wednesday, we'll just meet down here at the church. And, and Thursday, while well, we get together for, for uh, worship practice. But you know what? Let's just have a meal here at the church before we have worship practice. Everybody's invited. You know, it's like in our mind, we think, wait, we need a day off. You expect us to do this stuff every day? That's, that's New Testament church. That's what they did. See, we get in this, fall in this, this mode of, okay, I went to church. Check. What's next? You know, and then, oh, okay. My brother was asking me the other day, do you have a Sunday evening service? I said, no. Oh, you're lucky. And for a minute I thought, you know what? Yeah, I am. It's kind of nice. Not to have to come back to this place and prepare music and do a whole thing all over. It's kind of nice. But then I thought, how sad. How sad is that? You're overlooking the whole purpose of, the, of, of your salvation, of the church. Acts 5.42 says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house. So we won't just come to my house, we'll come to your house too. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, what happens when you do this? You're obedient to God and, and you'll be blessed as a result of that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, a friend can help him. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. You know, our, our body is, it's, it's a small fellowship. But you know what? I mean, I think that we're pretty much right on in this area. I mean, we enjoy fellowshipping together. Usually that includes food. So, but hopefully that's not just the only draw. All right? Hopefully that you, you enjoy being around each other. You know, as I look past, over this past year, I mean, we've had new people come into our fellowship and things. And it's been encouraging to me that, to see that, you know, there's, there's been an outreach. There's people been, you know, going to, together for lunch after church or, or getting together at other times for barbecues or whatever it might be. Those are all healthy things. You know, you don't have to, everybody doesn't have to be at every function. But hopefully that, that worshiping together regularly is something that's, that's very uh, basic. And you know, once again, as in giving, when you want to worship together regularly with a group of people, what do you have to do? You have to, you have to plan it. You have to make a commitment to that. You can't just say, okay, well, you know, um, what's, you know, what's going on over the holidays? Well, I don't know, you know. I mean, no, you know, the, the first priority should say, well, what's, what's the church doing? What are we doing as a fellowship? And how does that play into my calendar? You know, uh, how's that going to help me? I mean, should I, should I be there? Should I not be there? And it's not a guilt thing. It's not like, you know, um, that reason. But I'm just saying you should want to be here. Really, you really should. Because you'll be blessed as a result. Well, the fourth thing there is not only worship regularly, but minister to others. So we have spend time with God. This, I said this would probably be the shortest message I'll ever preach. Spend time with God. Faithfully give to your work. Worship regularly. And then also minister to others. What's that involve? It means sharing Christ with the lost. Investing your life in one another. Uh, mentoring someone around you. Uh, meeting the needs of people. Why do we do this? Because God loves people. Okay, and we're his servants and we're to love them also. And that's a real way of showing that. Uh, John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another, right? Well, there's a myriad of ways that we could show love for one another. And that's what God wants us to do. Matthew 25, 40, 
verse says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. How do you accomplish that? Just be a servant. Just be a servant to, to those around you. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to serve. And we're to be Christians. We're to follow in his footsteps. You know, and you say, well, I don't have a servant's attitude. Well, then get one. You know, repent. That's sin. Sinful not to have a servant's attitude. It really is. You know, it's basically, if you don't have a servant's attitude, you have a selfish attitude. It's got to be one or the other. You know, there's not a, not a lot of gray area there. And so if, if your attitude is, is one of selfishness, and you know what, I can be a very selfish person. Just ask my wife. Okay, I don't necessarily like to be around a lot of people. I, I could, you know, you've heard me say this before. I mean, just kind of be by myself, do my own little thing. I'm in my own little world, and I'm happy. You know, my wife's just the opposite. You know, are we inviting people over? Are we I'm just thinking, oh, no, not again, you know. You know, not that I don't enjoy the people coming over. I always have a good time with them. Don't get me wrong. But it's just something about my personality that that's not number one on my list. I'm not a real social person. I'm kind of shy and withdrawn that way. But, you know, I always enjoy getting together when we do. And so it's kind of, it's a good balance for, for the two of us. But you know what? I could be very selfish and just say no. I don't want anybody to come over ever because I don't like that. That would be a selfish, that wouldn't be a servant's attitude. That would be a selfish attitude. So we have to question our motives in a lot of these things. What happens when you do this? When you become a servant, God says, he will what? He will exalt you, right? That's what the word of God says. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself, in Matthew 23, 12, he says, he will be exalted by God. And I tell you what, you never want to exalt yourself because you're just looking for trouble. But when God exalts you, you are truly, truly exalted. So as we begin this new year together, I pray that as you look over the past year, and as John so, so graciously shared with us, you know, some of the things that have gone on, you know what? We don't know what this new year holds. Not one of us. We could be sitting here a year from now looking around and, and you know, five people could not be here. They could have gone on to be the Lord. You know, we don't, we don't know. We don't know what kind of hardship. We don't know what kind of trials. We don't know what kind of burdens we're going to be carrying. I mean, you know, we may have all these plans and everything's going to look great, you know, right now, but we don't know what's going to happen a month. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And see, that's where it comes bent down to bottom line, trusting in the God. Spend time with God every day. Faithfully give to his work. Worship regularly. Minister to others. And then, you know what? Trust God for the rest because he'll take care of that for us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I know this was kind of a, a light sermon, but Lord, I pray that we would not forget your goodness, that we would not forget these basic elements of our faith. And Lord, if we have, I pray that we would come to you and repent. And, and Lord, really seek you to change that in our lives. Lord, if, if we don't desire to spend time with you daily or give to your, your ministries on a regular basis or to spend time with others, or to, to serve. Lord, I pray that uh, all those behaviors, all those attitudes uh, would be left in the past. And Lord, that we would press on to, to just a, a bold new year together. Lord, we don't know what this new year holds for us as individuals or even as a church. But Lord, I do know that, that you will be faithful. You always are. And we just ask your blessing upon that. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who is yet to trust in you as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that they would understand that they need to turn away from their own sin. They need to acknowledge their guilt before you, a holy God, and then hold on to Jesus Christ. They need to understand that he is Lord, he is Savior, and that he wants to have a personal relationship with them, not just a, a church relationship. 
but it's a personal relationship. And he can just make you a brand new person, the Word of God says. He transforms your heart as you acknowledge your sin before him. He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit and make you a brand new person in Christ. Lord, if there's anyone here with that on their heart, I pray that they would cry out to you even now. And for us believers, I pray that we would shake off the complacency that we've fallen into and just desire to serve you in a brand new way. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is our hope and prayer here at Graceful Truth that today's broadcast has encouraged you as it relates to these four areas of our lives as we move into the new year. It's also our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each and every week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we would love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. If you would like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. The phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Now, if you would like directions to our worship center, please, again, that same phone number applies, 650-366-9923. 9923, or go to our website for the details and directions, gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org. We also have other resource materials available there as well, and you can also find out a bit more about us and who we are, what we believe, and worship opportunities. Again, gracefultruth.org. And that phone number again is 650-366-9923. We trust you'll have a blessed weekend, and until next week, Take care.